Welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. One of the most exciting things about non-monogamy is the novelty of new adventures and new people in our lives. At the same time, one of the many sources of stress in our world is an excess of choice. How can we make the right decisions with so many options as we try to decide who to date, who to make advanced plans with, and or who to hook up with at play parties or at the swinger club? Due to that excess of choice, we're often looking over our shoulder to see if there's anything else or better coming along, rather than focusing on being where we are and and who we're with. The FOMO, fear of missing out, can make it that we're not able to be present in the moment and don't ever truly enjoy the experience we're currently having. We can get so caught up in comparing what we have with what others have that we never really appreciate the experiences we have and the people we have them with. I'm Flick Morrison, and on this episode of On the Wet Coast, my co-host Kat Stark and I are discussing novelty, being in the moment, and gangbangs. Those things just flow so well together. Yeah. You just always think of them in, in the same sort of topic. Uh, yeah, it's one circle. of those. Yeah, that's one of those common three yeah. things. It's a it's a little little triad that that comes up a lot. Yeah. Uh, so novelty, it's novelty is one of the the many things that uh, you know got us into non monogamy, <laughs> um, and a lot of other people as well. Well, it's the um, you know it's it's the it's what makes it exciting, right? It's yeah. it's what's new. Um, it's a sort of you know unexplored. Um, it's probably even a little bit of fear, right? That's, that's mm. part of what novelty is, 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 uh, uncertainty. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause especially if you are in a long-term partnership, you know, you can get to know each other so well and that breeds intimacy and connection and a lot of really wonderful things that kind of kill passion. <laughs> um, and so, uh, that, that novelty, that charge, that fear, you know, all of those things can bring that, that spark, uh, into a relationship and and is why you know people often chase that novelty well a lot of what we intentionally craft in our lives is certainty yes which is the opposite of novelty so you know with um uh with a a long-term partner with with a job with housing you know these are things that you're trying to create a sense of security and the certainty that you're trying to establish there is really the antithesis and is really the antithesis of novelty. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it really can be a double-edged sword because you can have a hard time focusing. When there's so much novelty around, it can be really hard to just, you know, be in the moment and focus on, you know, where you are, what you're doing, um, because there's just always that sort of like, what else, what else, what else kind of buzz happening. Well, uh, new relationship energy is, is really the almost the definition of novelty right mm-hmm. it's it's uh it you know it, it sort of um has this supercharge of uncertainty and excitement around it and i uh, it can it can create a lot of gravity for that new relationship that pulls so much of your your energy and focus mm-hmm. and um you know and and i think for um, for people in the early days of, of uh, exploring non-monogamy and exploring uh, being sexually adventurous, um, you can almost have NRE about your new lifestyle. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's like you, this, the, um, just all, you know, all the excitement, you know, uh, it, you like a kid in the candy store and, uh, you know, the whole thing is just so full of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that we kind of have too much of a lot of the time is choice. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, you know, they've done some studies on this. Um, I've been listening to the uh, Happiness Lab podcast a fair bit. And, um, you know, discussing the psychology of happiness and how so many of the things that actually make us truly happy are the opposite of what we think will make us happy. (laughs) And um, choice is one of those things. You know, we think that we want so much choice, uh, yet choice can be really overwhelming. And sometimes if you go to a restaurant that has like seven options, 
and you can just pick one of those versus when you go and there's like a four page menu in very small print <laughs> that is just, you know, so overwhelming because there is, there is a loss every time you make a choice for the things you didn't choose. And what if I make the wrong choice and what am I giving up? And um, so there can be a lot of stress around that. No, more choice makes us less happy. It's, it's absolutely yeah. true. And it's, and it's very proven. And um, it, there's the, the difficulty in, in making a choice because um, the, you know, that, well, what, uh, what if I make the wrong one? It seem, And the more choice there is, it seems like there's more and more risk mm-hmm. of making the wrong choice. And then, as you said, there's, there is a feeling of loss for all the choices that you didn't make. It, you know, it's almost like you've, you've closed off all these other worlds of possibility. Uh, one of the things to, um, you know, maybe to, to think about is that um, you're going to have a lot more choices to make. And so this isn't, you know, it's not like you're you're making one choice that you're going to be stuck with for the rest of your life, especially in non-monogamy. You're you're you're, yes. um, you know, each um, you're you're going to get you're going to get to to experience a lot a lot of uh, um, a lot of choice and a lot of other things. And so, every, any any one choice, you know, it can be okay to um, to not focus on making the uh, the optimal decision all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're in that, that stress cycle from like, you know, trying to make a choice and not being really sure, you often can end up where you're, um, you're not enjoying any of it. Yes, it's true. Um, and we had a, or I had a very specific experience, sorry, cold and my mouth doesn't work apparently. Um, a very specific experience at Desire, um, one of the first years we were at the sexy resort, and I had chosen to stay back uh, with to play with some people as Flick went on to another seminar, and I was feeling kind of guilty about staying where I was and not going with him, and I wanted to go to the seminar, and I wanted that information, but I was like caught up in my NRE swoony moment with the person that I was staying with, and you know, it ended up that I didn't enjoy either thing really. Um, Mm -hmm. because you know, I, I, I wasn't entirely in the moment where I was because my brain was partly in the sort of swirling cycle of like, what if I've done something wrong here? And when you pointed it out to me later, like, Hey, you didn't get to enjoy either thing. I just fell apart. (laughs) Um, and I just, I went to our room and I, I cried for like 45 minutes. Um, because it just, it felt so devastating that, being stuck in that like is this right is this not right moment i just i didn't get to enjoy any of it yeah that i i think this is a common experience for people actually where when you when you feel like um when you feel like each choice you make has a cost especially to someone else that you care about it can feel like no matter what choice you make it's it's the wrong one yeah and you know rather than the opposite which is Really, whichever choice you make, it's the right one. Yeah. Now, the reality is that, you know, not everybody um, is, um, you know, is, is fortunate enough to to feel like they have a lot of choice. Mm-hmm. You know, people people often feel like they, they, they have trouble finding partners. And so, um, you know, they, they may not have, you know, a lot of opportunities to experience a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of their fantasies or to choose who they spend their time with. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one thing that, um, is universal to any relationship style. Sometimes you're going to have a dry spell and you're going to have trouble, trouble choosing and you're, sorry, uh, you're going to, you're going to have a dry spell and you're just not going to have many options. Mm -hmm. And that I think since, you know, so many of us have been in that moment, you know, if not forever, then, you know, temporarily, mm-hmm. um, we get in that scarcity mindset. We can all get really caught up in that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on the, on the subject of choice, there's also something real, which is, you know, um, decision fatigue. And, you know, and, and most of us, 
both in our home lives and our professional lives, make a lot of decisions. Some of them are like, you know, many, many micro decisions, but some of them are significant decisions that we, you know, we weigh a lot. And, you know, and there's a cost to every single one of those. And so we can often feel like we're not really um, able to make uh, a decision about something um, at some point. So it's like, you know, well, um, do you, uh, do you, you know, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what I want anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And even with like, you know, digging through the toys and being like, what do you want to play with tonight and stuff? Like it often really is better to have like four things laid out and be like, do any of these appeal rather than put like pulling out the whole huge tickle trunk and being like, Hey, you know, <laughs> um, because like, yeah, that you can just get overwhelmed with choice and the decisions. And, um, yeah, sometimes it's just better to have a few go-tos and, <laughs> you know, that are really good. And, um, and with the decision fatigue, it, I've definitely thought about it because, this was another thing they were talking about on the happiness lab um, was like the, you know, people who basically wear the same outfit every day and, um, or have like a really narrow selection of clothing. Or they that, have someone who picks their clothing well, for them. Like, yeah. you know, like the, the president. Or... Yeah. Um, but you know, Obama had like a couple suit options, basically they had gray suits and blue suits yep. and didn't stray from that very much. And it was just like, I don't want to have to think about this any more than this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think about that cause it's like, Oh, it would be sort of handy to have a bit of a like uniform kind of such a thing. But then, yeah, like, it's like, Oh, but I might get bored, you know? And you know, we, we might, you know, not having to make that decision every morning, you know, could take a lot of strain off. But yeah, there's just always that fear of of the loss of, of novelty and newness. Well, that, that, that fear of boredom, that fear, fear of the possibility that we'll get bored is one of the things that, that drives our demand for more and more choice. But, you know, um, experiments show that people do not like choice um, very much, let alone to the extent that they think they do, you know, mm -hmm. um, experiments like, um, cho uh, choosing, choosing what you're going to eat, um, over, over the next, the, over the next week. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and they f find that, that people will, people will choose a lot more variety if they're planning ahead than if they're actually picking what they want at the moment that they're about to eat. Yeah. If they're picking what they want at the moment they're about to eat, they will often come back to the same dishes over and over. But if you're planning in advance, you're like, oh, I'm going to want variety. I want a different thing every single day. And, you know, and really we, we like, we like sameness as well. Mm -hmm. Did I just blow your mind? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. Cause I think you read that same book. I did. <laughs> and it's just making me think like, maybe we should just have food on like Monday and Tuesday and just have the same meals. Like, just you know, yeah, it's it's it would reduce a lot of the mental overhead that comes with uh, with you know making making uh, dinner decisions. Yeah, so you know it can be you know, we're so burnt out from making all of these decisions all the time that when it comes to you know being at a play party or something and and you know choosing like what are we gonna do or who who are we gonna do it with or you know even what room we're gonna do it in can just so like it can just feel like way too much oh yeah the, the the last two or three play parties that i've been to i you know someone would ask me something and i i didn't i didn't know i couldn't i couldn't decide yeah yeah it can be pretty rough so trying to figure out ways in your life that you can maybe make fewer choices so that you know when times come that you are gonna you know actually want to make choices <laughs> that you know you still do have a bit of that mental overhead to to spend um, on that yeah I think I think one thing that that can help too is to um is to kind of think of the choices a little more lightly right like so often when when we're making a decision we feel like, you know, it feels like this is this is an important decision, but, you know, and, and that comes from the scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. It's as if, you know, we, we might never get to 
go to another play party. We might never never get to you know um, yeah have a threesome or spank this person. You know what I mean? Like all all the things that that were that were deciding between. Well, there's going to be other opportunities. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, and, and I also like to think of things along um, along the 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 try rather than do model. So you know, um, often we get we get stressed about well, what do we want to do? Mm-hmm. Whereas, what do we want to try? It sounds it sounds so much easier, and there's less pressure because it's it's, it's less about accomplishing something and more about experiencing something. Yeah, and it gives you the you know sort of gives you the out that if it's not going well, it's you're you're able to like step back and say, well, we tried that and it didn't work and it wasn't what we wanted um, versus like we said we would do this thing yeah. and therefore you're so Yeah, bound. getting committed to something when, when you're not sure if that's what you want. Whereas, you know, committing to trying it, it's like, well, I can change my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can always change your mind even if you said do, I, but, but we, we have get it in our brain that we can't. Yeah. I, um, I, I, it's, it's, um, I, I, I feel like this is something that, that you, um, often wrestle with in particular, which is, you know, when, um, when somebody asks you something, you know, you're afraid, you can be afraid to answer because, um, you, you know, it's like, well, you know, what if I change my mind? What if I decide that I want something different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can be, yeah. And even, you know, something is like going on a date. I've often, you know, I'm like four months down the line and they want a commitment and I'm not ready for it. And what am I going to do? And we haven't even had a first meet where we find out <laughs> if we like each other, let alone a first kiss and find out if we've got chemistry, let alone like any of this thing that I just, you know, my anxious brain just travels so far down the road before anything has happened. So there's this huge consequence to this one small thing and trying to rein that back to be like, all I'm, all I'm doing is agreeing to this, you know, one thing in this one moment. Um, I'm not saying that we're going to move in together in four months. What what if in a year they want me to pick them up from the airport? You know, what if they, you know, what if they, they want, want to um, go on vacation together eventually, you know? See, those things don't worry me. It's more like, (laughs) what if they want to gaze into my eyes? (laughs) What if they like want their souls to be, you know, intermeshed or something like that's the stuff I fear. I'll, I'll take you to the airport. That's fine. We, yeah, I guess it's sort of moving it, moving along to the, to being in the moment, which we have, you know, you can't really talk about choice much without that being in the moment. Um, But as we've mentioned at at things like play parties or sexy resorts, this can, can really come up is, is that constantly looking for something else and, and fearing that we're, we're missing out on this great opportunity by being in the great opportunity that we're currently enjoying well and and um you know there's there's often that that tension in those environments whether it's a party or travel of you know new experiences versus experiences with people that you you already know and are you know you care about and so there's um you can feel uh pulled in two two different directions uh making it really difficult to be in the moment um and also sometimes you'll get stressed out about where this relationship is going and travel forwards in time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know why you're calling me out on this. <laughs> Can you not tell I'm not well? <laughs> it's quite cruel. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and sometimes like, you know, I've definitely had the experience where I'm someone in those those moments that I often, you know, want especially if it's it's something that's very intermittent and I get to spend time with someone that I've had a little bit of time with before, I tend to focus more on on having, you know, more experiences with that person and kind of deepening that connection and 
because I get to be a little more comfortable because new is exciting, but it's also scary. And when you have anxiety, that can, you know, really detract from the experience. So when you've gotten comfortable with someone, um, I tend to in those moments, if it's someone I know, like want to repeat things and get more comfortable. Um, But other people are really wired toward novelty, and really want that's just what they're seeking all the time. So you, you know, I've been very hurt by people choosing new over me in those moments, because that's why they're there. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, we had that time on Wednesday. Like, you know, we had our time. Um, and I'm like, yeah, we had our time. Like, it was wonderful. Wouldn't you want more of that? Um, and it can really, it can be stressful and upsetting. Yeah. And it's really just, um, you know, what um, what people are happen to value more in those environments. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not really, it, it, it it feels like a personal rejection. Yeah. But it isn't. It's, um, yeah. it's. <laughs> I think it is still. Um, it's not. It's not a personal rejection. They, you know, they're, they're, they're just craving a new experience. Yeah. By rejecting you. <laughs> like, I, I think it can be both. Like, I think they can be craving a new experience, but it doesn't mean that they're not saying no to you because they have to say no to you to say yes to the other thing. Um, I think that someone can say no to you without it being a rejection. Well, that'll have to be something I think on, but (laughs) I don't know if we're on the same page there, but I don't know that we also need to argue about it right now. So that cock just fell (laughs) off the armrest. It certainly did. (laughs) Yeah. It's a thing that happens in this house. Yeah. I mean, maybe we could we could talk about it a, a a little bit more. If it doesn't work out, we can cut it. But um, you know, uh, my feeling is that um, you know, time is uh, time is finite, right? And especially in those environments. And so, you know, um, a rejection is um, you know, I I'm not interested in spending time with you. Whereas um, in this case, it's like you know. Um, I want to spend time with you, but I also want to spend time with these new experiences. And so I need to manage my time in order to do, to get both those things. Yeah. Whereas I kind of read that as I want to spend time with you, but I want to get this new experience more than I want to spend time with you. And they're making a value judgment and you are falling short in that moment. So they've weighed the two options and they're like, you know, there's this and there's this and, and one of them is better in that moment. And that better thing is not me. Yeah. But that's, that's why I said it's not a personal rejection. Right. Because it's, they're rejecting me. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of, well, it's a little circular. It's not, it's not a personal rejection because they're not rejecting you because of you. They're just rejecting you because they're uh, they're favoring a new experience. If it was a personal rejection, they would be rejecting you because of of um, some other qualities rather than, right? Fair. So yeah. essentially, so essentially, if you were new, you would you would be the the first choice. Yeah, except like now they've gotten to know you, and they're like, oh, I could get well, something better. See, see, <laughs> see, now we're getting into something else, right? Which is. Um, if you, um, uh, if you feel like when people get to know you, um, that they don't like you anymore, then you're going to see, um, them choosing to spend time with somebody else as a rejection. It's like my trauma and insecurities come to play in my adult life. <laughs> and I, I just, no, I don't believe that that's something that's, that's true. Um, <laughs> So let's let's get to know a super vulnerable cat in this episode. Yeah. Um, you can cut this out if this dug a little too deep. But yeah, it can it can be hard. And I and I mean I had the discussion basically that we just had like with 
Tristan Teromino at Desire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was saying basically the same thing you were, and I didn't believe her. Um, So it's not really any surprise that I also don't entirely believe you. But I I, I can see it a little more from... From what, I can see it a little more from what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean it doesn't feel like a rejection. And I guess, you know, feeling like a rejection and being a rejection are probably oh, two yeah. like, things. Oh, yeah. Like, I cannot argue with the fact that it feels like a rejection. If, you know, and because that, that feeling is real. And I totally understand why it feels like a rejection. And, uh, you know, and um, it also, you've, you've known me way longer then um you've known Tristan Terramino. So I can totally see why, you know, she would have a lot more credibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche, sir. <laughs> touche. <laughs> At first, an open marriage seems like the greatest thing in the world to Natalie and Sean. Adding a bunch of new, hot people to their already excellent sex life? What could be better? Then they meet Beth, a queer single mom with a lesbian partner, and things become complicated. After some fun dating as a threesome, Beth and Sean fall in love, and Natalie feels pushed to the side by both her former lover and her husband. As Sean and Beth begin celebrating new milestones and plan their first trip together as a couple, Natalie is thrown for a loop and longs for a time that being open felt sexy and fun. Natalie starts seeking that fun for herself and, after many naughty adventures and a few false starts, finds her own unexpected love. Join Natalie, Sean, and Beth in a funny, sexy, surprising story as they navigate the challenges of deciding that when it comes to the amount of love in their lives, they choose more. Get Cat Stark's new novel, Waking Up Polyamorous, in ebook or paperback at your favorite online retailer. So one of the things that comes to play in in that like newness and novelty is something that is referred to as hedonic adaptation. And that's sort of what we were talking about is like new things are exciting. And the more used to something we get, the more our brain just kind of adapts to it being normal and it stops having the same kind of like pleasure reaction mm-hmm. as it did in the beginning. Um, and one of the places I've really noticed this playing out for me personally is when we first opened up and um, we were going on dates and we were doing things and we were just so supercharged all the time. And we'd, you know, come home from dates and be like, I don't care how late it is. Let's bone again. And that kind of thing. And just over time, as, you know, having regular threesomes became a pretty normal thing for us, that sort of novelty wears off and it becomes a normal thing and no longer has that charge and becomes more of the, yeah, it's, you know, it's 1030. I'm really tired. Mm -hmm. I should get some sleep. Um, And that's, you know, the way that sort of NRE can fade as a, as a relationship goes on for longer and stuff is all about this hedonic adaptation. Yeah. I remember one of our early threesomes, it was scheduled for, for my birthday and, um, the, our, our guest star was, was, uh, you know, on the tail end of a cold and I was like, ah, you know, who cares? I'll, I'll get a cold. You know, it was like, I did not, I really did not, um, mind getting sick. You know, I, I didn't really want to, uh, give up on, uh, on a threesome. And, uh, then she coughed in my mouth. <laughs> And yeah, we were, which is not a new fetish. It did not trigger something new. We refer to that as doing a, that person's name. (laughs) Wait, I think that person has a code name. They do. They're code. They're Bex. Bex. That's right. Yeah. But we don't call it doing a Bex. No, it it felt wrong to say that (laughs) because that's not what we say, but that is their code name. Yeah, um, hedonic adaptation is interesting. Um, it it does also work the other way, which is that um, 
negative experiences tend to wear off over time and, mm. and move us back towards baseline. But what's interesting is that um, hedonic adaptation doesn't move us back to some like universal middle. It moves us back to our middle. Okay. Right? So if generally we're um, a person who's, um, you know, um, prone to being, you know, um, you know, a little bit unhappy, then over time, things are going to move us back to being a little bit unhappy. If we're someone who's, who's prone to being, you know, um, energetic and up for new things a lot of the time, um, something happens that may interfere with that. But over time, uh, you know, even, you know, and that's the thing about hedonic adaptation is that it, it works uh, even on dramatic things like mm-hmm. you lose a leg or you um, or you win the lottery. Actually, winning the lottery is a terrible example because it ruins people's lives. Yeah. But, um, you know, things things that um, that we expect will will be fantastic and change our lives. Um, our happiness adjusts back to our normal baseline. Yeah. Yeah, and it's often one of the signs I sort of know that I'm coming out of a depression is that I'm sort of start to feel like kind of baseline chipper. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, because that is kind of my baseline. And even when things are fairly shitty, my baseline is kind of chipper. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely not perky. But um, <laughs> I, I, I do play it in one of my jobs. Um, but yeah, like I'm just often, you know, have a fairly good outlook on things. Uh, even when have been, you know, planning, you know, funerals and doing stuff like that. Like it's, you know, you're, yeah, I've noticed that I slide to my back to my baseline. And that's sort of what I know, like, oh, hey, I seem to have gotten over this the cycle scene, yeah. of depression is that I've been like kind of, you know, excited to go like just walk to the other room and be on my computer you know like one of the uh one of the challenges of hedonic adaptation is that uh especially for uh those of us who suffer from anxiety which is you know the most common mental illness that people suffer from you um your tendency is to shrink your world over time Right to to avoid things that um, that will provoke your anxiety. Uh, it's like, oh, you know, uh, this this experience, you know, pinches a little bit. So maybe maybe I won't do that. And so, um, if we're um, if we've you know been enjoying you know really uh, adventurous sexual life, um, we can find ourselves uh, favoring. Um, you know, canceling those things, mm. you know, not taking risks, not asking for things, you know, like sort of um, forgetting about how great it is to help someone, you know, fulfill a fantasy or to um, uh, to go and, you know, uh, meet somebody new and really vibe off them and start making out and stuff like there, there's just we um, so a lot of the time it's it's not um it's not even that the the experiences become muted, but often our anticipation of the experiences mm. becomes muted. It's yeah, like for it, sure. you know, so those um, that excitement, uh, while it also becomes a lot less disruptive, like you know, because it's taking up less of our focus and obsession, um, it also means that we don't get. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll often hew away from, you know, from those things because we, you know, you kind of forget how much you actually love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, the the we focus on like the risk parts of yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so going to like a new, you know, a new party with new people and it's like, oh, they're strangers. I don't know if I'm going to have a good time and, you know, oh, they're, they're, doing this game as icebreaker and oh you know <laughs> i hate this stuff and i maybe maybe i should just go maybe i'm not the right person for this and oh i just would have missed the four person the like the four way that i had just had with like three amazing women and <laughs> like i would have really regretted that but i really yeah i had a lot of that well maybe i don't need to go to this party and and all of those moments that happen like 
that I did think about just going home or whatever and not taking the risk and talking to that like really hot, sexy woman and stuff. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, you can, it's, it's one of the things I'm really working on trying to get out of that habit of, uh, of, you know, making my world small because yeah, sometimes you get to have a really great foursome. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about gangbangs because uh, it's um, it, it comes up a lot, right? Um, when when people are sort of you know uh, brand new to um, to non monogamous uh, sexual adventures, uh, often the first thing they're they're they're, they're interested in is threesomes, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know relatively speaking, uh, threesomes threesomes can happen. The threesomes are pretty common. And so people will often have their threesome experiences and then have some more and then try different configurations of threesomes and have somebody that they, you know, have regular threesomes with that they, they really like. So it's, that's something they, they, uh, um, that tends to be relatively easy to fulfill. Um, but, uh, even people who have been, have been, non-monogamous for years that have been slutty for years will talk about really wanting to have a gangbang mm-hmm. it's one of their big fantasies and um and it's really interesting that this is something that is that is so elusive for people yeah you know and um and you know and it's it's probably complicated because often um i think what draws people to gangbangs is a bit of the fear of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you make something really safe that you're also scared of? Yeah. It's also logistics. You know, it's a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, if your fantasy is um, is a whole bunch of uh, cis men, then, um, then you know, you're going to have to find uh, men that are, that are not just um, – into you, but also into gangbangs. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, as one of the things that really comes up in the, the group sex situations, and especially when, you know, if it is a, like a couple who has been monogamous and then decides to open up and, and maybe start swinging or something, um, you know, uh, penises don't always cooperate in those mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a gangbang is, is, ramping that up even higher because in a in a swinger situation it can all just be about like oh well why don't we use this toy why don't I use my hands my mouth all of this kind of stuff um but especially if we're thinking of a very you know heteronormative gangbang you're expecting like hard cock slamming yes. into someone yep. um and so if that if you're someone who has a shy penis in those situations um, that can be really stressful. And so it takes, you know, certain people to be into signing up. Yeah. I think, I think uh, uh, gangbangs is something where you really need to kind of uh, tap into a community. Uh, there, there are often people who are really good at organizing gangbangs. Yeah. So, you know, talk, talk to people about that. You know, I've, I've known people who have, um, who have had partners organize gangbangs that just didn't get off the ground because their yeah. partner fucked it up. They just were not good at getting getting it uh, getting it happening. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, and uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about gangbangs is um, uh, is because it's also a good example of um, thinking about you know what is it about the experience that appeals to you. You know, is it, um, you know, is it just lots of bodies and being the center of attention? Is it being, you know, used uh, really hard, you know, and sort of having that, you know, kind of that that feeling of danger? Um, and I bring that up because often we can think about what we want out of it and figure out some other way to achieve that feeling mm. without literally having that exact same experience, mm-hmm. right? And so... If, um, you know, if we're, you know, uh, imagining, you know, uh, being used and face slapped and, you know, having, uh, you know, one person after the other, you could actually have a threesome that did that, 
just with two people and they just take turns getting on and off of you and take, yeah. you know, and while, and while the other person's riding you, they're, you know, they're pulling your hair or covering your mouth or pinning your arms, you know, like some, just something that's creating that sort of the same intensity of experience. Um, and, you know, and we can, we can do this with a lot of our fantasies, you know, tap into what is it that we want to feel what is it that, um, you know, both in terms of, you know, sort of the emotions and sensations and what some way that that I could uh, uh, create that sooner without, you know, without needing to audition people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And it, it comes up in, in kink situations as well, that yes. sort of thinking about what you want. And we we tend to be so focused on. I want this particular act. <laughs> I want this particular scene. And unless we have thought about like what we want to be feeling in that moment. And sometimes we don't know. So, you know, this is the call to like spend some serious time thinking about that Um, because, you know, we can end up having these really unsatisfying experiences like the gangbang a friend of ours had who, you know, it was like super loving and tender (laughs) and she had wanted to feel used and super slutty and, and all this kind of stuff. And she had, you know, all these wonderful people in her life that gave her this, you know, tender, loving gangbang. And, uh, you know, she felt so disappointed because it wasn't what she wanted. But, you know, I'm she- imagining like rose petals on the bed and <laughs> candlelight. Oh, I'm trying not to barf in the <laughs> Maybe some light jazz. <laughs> where, where they all made love. <laughs> Make love to me. All of you. <laughs> oh, anyway. You, David. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and I think gangbangs can also be a situation where we kind of take that adaptation and kind of do that for for fantasies we've had because we can maybe be like, oh, you know, I have this big list of things, but I've had these three. So the others can probably fall off the list mm. um, and use sort of that kind of that'll do kind of mentality that, right. that can sometimes happen. And um, we can sometimes like just decide not to act on these things that we really like because, you know, we've had these other like really good things and um, can sort of forget that, yeah, we can have these amazing things and ask for more different amazing things. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, right? Like, so if you, um, um, you know, if if the if the the threesomes you've had aren't really quite what you wanted out of a threesome, you know, think about what what was missing, and you know, and see if you can ask for that specific thing, you know, and get it. See if you can get it for you know early in the threesome, so that it's not sort of tacked on to the end. You know, mm-hmm. make make uh, I you know I I love I love the whole idea of you know uh, fulfilling each other's fantasies. And yeah. So um, so yeah, um, I, I I think I think it's a great idea. So what are some ways to you know maybe be in the moment better so that we can we can experience these things, um, you know, uh, by being present instead of, you know, falling into our own head or, you know, um, traveling in time. Yeah, well, I mean, it comes up a lot. And I think it sort of gets a bad name, because people often are trying to like, solve your chronic illness or mental illness with it. But like mindfulness is important. And really, all that it means is just being present and paying attention to physical sensations that you're having. Um, And, you know, when your brain pulls away again, you just think about it again. So, you know, focusing on, you know, the temperature of the skin of the person you're touching and focusing on like what the fabric feels like and, and what the lighting is in the room and what are the sounds around you and just really getting in your body and out of your head. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I I think a lot of people, expect mindfulness to be something that has some like you know uh therapeutic or uh transformative value in its own but it's really not it's just a tool it's yeah it's Mm -hmm. about um kind of bringing yourself back to back to the present and to the present place and present time Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and it can be so easy to, to even when you're having this amazing experience to be so caught up in, in all of the other, you know, just like hamster wheel that our brains are most of the time. And you sort of forget that you even are feeling the things that you're feeling and um, yeah, just trying to get back into your body. And sometimes you can just ask someone, you know, to do something that will help that, you know, like I need you to kiss me or I need you to pull my hair or I need you to, you know, do something that is just going to help just anchor you back into that physical space. Comparison is also a thing that can really sort of uh, interfere with our ability to uh to be present and sort of you know fulfilled in our experiences so you know we're always comparing ourselves to people who seem to be happier so we seem mm. to be having more fun having better experiences um you know who you know who we think are more attractive and um but you know we we just don't we don't know what their experiences are yeah. you know and they're you know thanks to hedonic adaptation they're no happier because yeah. of those things. And, you know, I, I remember, um, I remember a friend of ours at, at desire who seemed to be like having the time of her life. And then like towards the end of the trip, you know, she was just talking about how she's, um, really hadn't felt like she'd, gotten any attention because mm -hmm. she was you know she'd just been giving and giving all the experiences that she'd had so you know um to to an outsider it seemed like she was living her best slut life yeah but um her her experience was completely different to uh, um to to what it seemed like from the outside yeah and i had been really envious of her yeah um yeah. and and just how easy it seemed to come to her that she could just you know, have this great time and to find out later that, that she hadn't been and she hadn't been getting, um, you know, the things that she wanted out of it. Um, yeah, it was, was really quite a shock. And it, and it comes to a thing where, you know, we need to use our words and we need to ask for the stuff we want because we can get in this idea that like, oh, hey, I did this thing for you and therefore you're going to ask me what I want um, and then give that to me. Uh, that's not always the case. And if you always seem to be like into, you know, giving everybody a blowjob and just kind of, you know, diving right in, people are going to be like, oh, well, that's what this person likes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so therefore, you know, that's that's what we're going to do. And when that person really just wanted to get their brains fucked out all the time, but they were giving blowjobs so nobody fucked their brains out. And it's just, yeah, it, it you, you got to use your words. You got to ask for what you want. Um, yeah. And, you know, when we're, when we're, um, you know, back to comparing when, when we're looking at what other people are getting and feeling like, you know, we're not doing as well, we're not, you know, we're not having the, you know, as, as great adventures, you know, um, the, um, it, it's, it spoils the experiences that we do have. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, it's it's just a way of of not being present right because we're we're you know um we're spending our focus on on them and their experiences um so one of the one of the sort of brain hacks for this is rather than comparing what you have to what someone else has think about what you have compared to maybe not having it right mm. so compare it to your life before you were you were uh, having these adventures you know think think about how great it is that you're having this experience rather than you know um uh um sitting at home and and watching um tow trucks on television <laughs> which actually is pretty great yeah I do enjoy it's, that. it's kind of awesome <laughs> <laughs> should watch highway through hell if you can because yeah. it's it's really interesting <laughs> um but yeah and and you know it's sometimes referred to as as silver medal syndrome it's mm -hmm. like you'll see olympians on the medal boxes and the gold medalist looks really happy because uh, they won the gold medal and the bronze medalist looks really happy because they got a medal yeah. and they're comparing themselves with like not having gotten a medal and so you know they have that point of comparison whereas the silver medalist often looks miserable 
because they basically consider that they failed to win the gold. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that can be really where we are in those moments that, you know, we're not, we're so focused on being like, oh, I didn't get to have this thing. And so everything that I have had is is garbage, even though, yeah, when like someone else who's like, oh, wow, you know, I get to have this thing versus I don't get to have this thing <laughs> um, is really it, it really shifts your mind on it. So, you know, it's it's not easy and it's like it's you, you got to keep working on it, but um, it can really help us to to see our experiences in a different light and, and just get a whole lot more pleasure out of it. Yeah, there's there's some there's some some other little tricks that we can do. Uh, One of them is to anticipate things. So, you know, when there's an event coming up, you know, think about uh, what we're looking forward to about Mm. it. Think about, you know, who we want to see, you know, try to because we can that can help to kind of um, sort of extend the happiness that we get Mm. out of out of that experience. And as well, um, kind of uh, relive it after the fact, you know, Mm. so uh, maybe message people about it afterwards, you know, um, maybe when you're lying in bed, um, play my favorite game, which is, you know, remember that thing we just did. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, these things actually really do help to kind of, you know, anchor the, you know, um, the, the, uh, the positive aspects of the experiences that we have. But yeah, that's the you know the sexy time machine is is definitely one of the funnest games to be <laughs> to be playing in that is you know remember when we did the thing and you know and being grateful for those moments and and those simple moments of like you know sitting next to your sweetie on a couch and your knees are touching and and that that gratefulness for that contact and and this other human that you really like being in the room with you and um, trying to shift your brain processes into some of this stuff a little more often. And it doesn't mean that we're, you know, we can just live in this like rainbowy Oprah world of, you know, happy gratitude every moment of every day, but, you know, taking those little pieces and, and being in that moment and feeling you know, the warmth of skin and, and that connection and stuff. And then, you know, just taking a second and thinking specifically about how nice it is, um, can just help us, you know, keep remembering that and being thankful for, for those moments and be really thankful for awesome four ways. Okay. And stop putting it off. Get some help planning that gangbang. Agreed. Thank you for joining us. Cat's novel, Waking Up Polyamorous, is available on paperback and ebook. Get it today from your favorite online book retailer. Cat's sexy memoir, Yelling in Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, is available on audiobook, ebook, and paperback. Go to Amazon.com or visit onthewetcoast.com for links to other marketplaces. Be like other awesome listeners by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platforms. Just a few sentences make a huge difference in our visibility. You could help us have more adventures to tell you about by contributing to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash on the wet coast. Huge thanks to our Patreon supporters who help make this show possible. Follow us on Twitter at Wet Coast Cat, that was a K, at Sirius Flick, at On the Wet Coast. Email comments or questions to contact at on the wet coast.com. Go to on the wet coast. God, you say on the wet coast.com a lot. <laughs> Go to onthewetcoast.com for Cat's blog, toy reviews, and more. No, I'll just cut this part. Cut all this. (laughs) Fix it in post.